Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Handoff. Foster running right across the five. He gets in. Arian Foster, his third touchdown of the day. And the Texans are beating up Indianapolis. What is good? What is up? It's Jordan and Texans Thoughts, and we're back with another episode today. We've got another special one, another special guest leading up to the 2022 NFL Draft. It is officially draft week, y'all. We've come so far. I'm so, so excited. And that means we got some housekeeping on our hands just before we start. I wanted to remind y'all that I'll be coming to Houston. I'll be here on the 28th to the 30th. We're covering the draft live with Texans Unfiltered at Cobo's Barbecue. So come through for day one and day two. Every pick will be breaking down, analyzed, all that good stuff. Come get some good food, some good drinks, and hang out with your boy. I'm looking forward to it, man. But now that that is out the way, we've got a special guest today. That is TJ Randall, the Assistant Director of Player Personnel for University of Houston. TJ, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing, my guy? I appreciate it, Jordan, man. I'm doing well. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, talk some ball, and uh, get a chance to talk about these prospects. Let's do it, man. I'm super pumped. For me, the NFL draft, like, it's the best time of the year. It's mm-hmm. my Christmas. And I know for someone like you who has gone into scouting and is working with the personnel department now, it must be a really exciting time for you, huh? Are you excited? 100%. 100%. You know, like you said, it's like Christmas Christmas yeah. morning, but you get it three days out of the year, which is nice. So, um yeah, just excited. You know, every year you get a chance to uh, to evaluate some of these players and especially working in college football, you get to see a lot of these guys, you know, firsthand, like Iggy yeah. and NC State and a guy like Matt Corral getting a chance to, having seen those guys live, it's it's cool to kind of see their, you know, see their lives change and, uh, you know, realize a, a goal that they've been working towards. For sure, for sure. There's definitely multiple aspects of this NFL draft. Like I always look at it. I was used to look at it, I guess, from the angle of like, you know, I want to evaluate these players. I want to see if I'm, if I like, if my vision of these players matches the NFL's vision of these players, like, am I right? Like, do not, do I know what the hell I'm talking about? And like, and seeing that side of it. But then there's also the side, like, man, these are kids that are like my age trying to like fulfill their life dream, trying mm-hmm. to go to the freaking NFL, like something I'll never <laughs> be able to do, you know? <laughs> so it's really fun to yeah. see for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, guess getting into that, like, I would love to hear kind of, you know, your journey of getting into scouting, working for Houston. So you spent four years at Liberty before Houston, and now you are the assistant director of player personnel. Like that title doesn't just get handed out to anyone, TJ. <laughs> so tell me about your story, about your journey, how you got into football, how you got into scouting, um, and your kind of rise, man. Yeah, will do, man. I'm a, first things first, I'm kind of a long storyteller. So Go you know, for just it. kind of kind of strap up and buckle in. But <laughs> um, man, I'm going way back. So I've kind of grown up around the game. My dad, he... Um, He's coached football for, you know, 25, 30 years at the high school and junior college level. So it's just one of those things, you know, you just kind of naturally grew up around it. And 
I gravitated towards it, obviously, because, you know, it's, it's my dad for one. And for yeah. two, you know, just when you're doing something for that long, it's hard to kind of, and football itself, working in the profession, it really takes up a lot of your time, right? So yeah. having spent that much time around him and, and seeing how, how much an impact it had on his life, it was just something I naturally followed. So, you know, I, I played in high school, got recruited a little bit, some small schools, um, went to a small school out in LA, um, did school there, mm -hmm. did track, did football. So that's kind of where a lot of it, a lot of what I'm doing now was kind of fostered and developed really started just doing like mock drafts when I was a freshman in college. Yeah. And then it's just one of those things where every year I used to buy the the magazine, like the draft magazine, yeah. you know, prospects to do your own mock draft. So I did that when I was a kid, but growing up, you know, as I kind of got older and got into college, that was kind of the age of when like the online kind of, world blew up in terms of like mock drafts, scouting reports, mm -hmm. all that stuff was as accessible as it ever had been. So yeah. I kind of just naturally gravitated towards it, got into it, started doing some some stuff for a few different sites. And um, it didn't really become like a profession really until I was graduating college the last mm -hmm. summer going into my last year of undergrad, had an opportunity to go out to Liberty and, and volunteer for a summer um, in the recruiting department. Did that, had a great time. I was only there for about a month, but I learned mm -hmm. so much. It was just being around football, you know, it didn't really matter yeah. what I was doing. It was just, it was fun and it was a unique experience. So came back uh, to school, finished my last year of undergrad. Uh, when I graduated, had an opportunity to join them as a, as a graduate assistant in operations in 2018. Um, and so since from there, I just kind of, you know, tried to work hard and, um, yeah. you know, do my thing and, and try to prove my, my worth, so to speak. So, yeah, for kind sure. Where I am now, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I saw some of your stuff that like you mentioned, you kind of started getting into the writing aspect of it and just kind of putting your work out there. I saw like your, it's like, I think it's called Tampa two, that website. Mm -hmm. um, and I was funny looking through all your, your previous <laughs> draft guides and, and breaking yeah. down these schemes. And I'm like, damn, like, this is basically like what I'm trying to do. And like, I see you as a, as a perfect role model of someone that, that can take this kind of like unconventional path go through like mm -hmm. kind of the media side of it and build up your resume that way and then boom get into the the football world because that's honestly my dream i would mm -hmm. love to be like an nfl scout one day and like take that that route through college and, and you know like you said like better yourself and just keep improving every single day man so it's it's um an inspiration to hear your story and know that you know it's possible and that's why i preach to everyone else who's kind of listening to this man it's just you find your passion, you know what you're going to put in, you know, you're going to put in like 110% work into whatever your passion is like, just go pursue that no matter what it is. And mm. the riches will come. They will 100%. come. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So oh, that's awesome to see, man. Shout out to everyone in the YouTube chat. Shout out to Alpha, Ryan, Primetime Bari, Giovanni's here, my guy. I will put in the address in the link for, for Kobo's for sure. One second. Uh, what's up, Beige, Money Matt's here. Um, shout out to you guys, but dude, honestly, hearing about your journey is, is really great to, to hear, to see that like people can do it, man. It's, it's possible because yeah. everyone always tells you like, it's so hard to, you know, get into the football world, to break into it, but you've done it. And so that's awesome. And you're only going to keep rising. So I'm happy for you, man. Um, but tell me about now you joined university of Houston in March, correct? That's correct. Yeah. How has that been? How's that transition been from Liberty to Houston? What's been different in terms of the football program? And then we'll get into, we talked about it a little bit early, but we'll get into kind of just the city and living in Houston as well. So first of all, like kind of what's been different about the football program for you? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, leaving Liberty for me, was kind of tough. A, cause obviously I'd been there for a number of years and um, the connections I'd made and um, you know, the people I've gotten to know 
that's always makes it tough, right? But you know, seeing the seeing the progression from the program from when I got there in 2018 mm-hmm. to where we were in 21, you know, we had done an amazing job recruiting, developing, um, and it was just tough from that standpoint because I was really kind of committed and connected to our last few signing classes, right? Yeah. For me, it was like I took a lot of pride and joy in seeing how our recruiting classes. Um, you know, just affected our the on-field performance, right? It's really neat to see the guys that you like and guys that you sign add to your program and you see the on-field product come to fruition, right? So that was always neat. You know, we, our recruiting department was amazing. Did a great job evaluating players um, and trying to bring in guys to, that could take us to the next level because we knew we were always going to join a conference and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of take that take the program to the next level, right? So that was, for me, that was the coolest thing about it was you saw us, we saw us go from, you know, six and six, first year FBS program to win in 10 games. And, you know, our 2021 really should have done a little bit better than we did. And we still went eight and five. Right. So it was cool Mm -hmm. to see the standard shift in such a short amount of time. Um, And transitioning to Houston, it's kind of the same thing, just on a little, on a, on a bigger scale, right. Cause they were already in the AAC um, competitive 12 games, beat Auburn in in the uh, Birmingham bowl, all huge, tremendous accomplishments, but to see them now, as we kind of work our way to the big 12, that's, that's what it is, right? You're, you know, competing against TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma state. So it's the same thing that you're trying to emulate just on a, on a grander scale. Right. And it's been, Mm -hmm. it's been neat working for Houston because now like our program, we have access to a much bigger pool of of talent than we kind of did at Liberty. Right. And that's just location and opportunities. A lot of things that really are outside of Liberty's control, but just being in Houston, you get to see, you know, there are four and even some five stars that we are having legitimate conversations about, right? And it's not really like a pipe dream mm-hmm. for, for some of these guys. So um, I'm really, really excited about where the program is heading. That was kind of the tipping point for me when I looked at the situation, when I had the opportunity to, to leave. Yeah. It was like, what's going to what's gonna pull me away from Liberty, right? And that was kind of the, the biggest thing was as this program, it has already been on the right track and the right path and, and winning. Because mm-hmm. that was my thing. It was like, I don't want to go to a program. Not, I don't want to leave my situation to a program that's not on the same, at least caliber, or on the same, you know, winning a lot of games. So, yeah, that was a tipping point. <clears throat> They're on the right path as they go into the Big 12. We're going to have a chance to really compete, you know, in this thing from day one and, and genuinely compete for a conference championship when we get there. So um, that's been the coolest part about this whole deal. And um, I think the future for our program is, is unbelievably bright. I think so, too. I definitely think so. I think you, you're getting in at a perfect time and, and them adding you is only going to be, you know, such an asset that's going to keep pushing them up on that trajectory for sure. Um, but I guess one thing I was curious to ask you about is kind of for the people that want to know, you know, maybe what is like a day to day look like for, for a scout, for a personnel member, for, for an assistant director, a player personnel, like yourself, what does that kind of look like in terms of, you know, I guess in season and, and during the off season as well, because I imagine they're quite different. Right. Yeah. So kind of like what you said, the day in the life kind of changes um, when you're in season, when you're out of season, it really kind of shifts how the recruiting calendar shifts, right? Because, you know, right mm-hmm. now we're in an evaluation period and before that, or uh, after that we'll be in a dead period. Right. So yeah. as we transition in and out, the, the, the tasks, the tasks kind of transition, right? So mm-hmm. getting prepared for the evaluation period is getting ready to send our coaches out on the road. It's planning their schedule, you know, making sure they have all the all the right information before they go out to these schools. You know, hey, here are the kids that we evaluated that we really, really like. Probably kids that we need to get offers out to. Here are some other guys we've watched that maybe we need to see, really need, really need to get a live evaluation on. Mm-hmm. Can't miss this one, right? Mm-hmm. So they, that day in the life is kind of, right now, is kind of what that tr- was 
what that focuses on, right? We're gathering all this information while they're out on the road, continuing to do evaluations. Um, but also, you know, while we're in-house, we're, we're having recruiting visits, official visits, unofficial mm-hmm. visits. Um, you know, we just finished up spring, spring ball. We had unofficial visits during practice. So um, that's kind of what the day in the life is looking like right now. And it's, it really kind of replicates that during when we're in season two, you know, when we're in season, coaches really don't, aren't out on the road recruiting. Um, unless we're in the bye week or unless there's a certain situation game week, you know, it just, it kind of depends. But, um, you know, once we get into the dead period, that's when everything really slows down for us. Kind of when we take our vacation, just cause you know, there's nothing can't have prospects on campus, can't go see them. So yeah. it's ever changing. It's, it keeps you on your toes, which is what I love the most about it. It's uh, you're not just doing the same one or two things every, every day, really every week. So. Yeah, for sure. No, I feel like a lot of people, my age right now, you know, going from I'm, I'm on my last, I'm graduating. And so everyone's kind of freaking out about, you know, what comes next? You know, I don't, mm. I don't want to work this nine to five job. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. It's boring. Like that's, that's definitely how I'm feeling. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't do a desk job. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of like kind of the unpredictability and, and the variability of football and, and just how it switches up for sure. It keeps you on your toes, huh? Mm-hmm. It keeps things interesting. Yeah, it keeps, it, that's exactly right. It keeps interesting. <laughs> For sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I guess kind of just continuing on that, you talked kind of about your favorite part of working for UH. Have you, who, uh, you know, actually we'll go back to, we'll go back to Liberty a little bit. Cause as we kind of transition to talking about these players um, in the 2022 NFL draft, we should start chronological order. Maybe with your time at Liberty. I mean, there is a star right there now in uh, Malik Willis, mm-hmm. who could potentially be the second overall pick as, as high as there to the Detroit Lions. Like his future is about to change. So I want to get some great insights from you who spent multiple years around Malik, two years, I believe, right? Um, what is your kind of take on Malik Willis? We'll start with as a person and then we'll get into as a player. Yeah, yeah. So kind of like we were talking about prior to the show, you know, he's uh, – my favorite thing when it comes to talking about Malik, I could sit here and say a lot of what's already been said about him as a player. And I'll, I'll give yeah. you some of that a little bit later. Of course, <laughs> uh, got a couple of stories for sure, but um, I just kind of like talking about, and, you know, having spent time around him, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit, obviously. And um, mm-hmm. he's just a guy that for me, you watch him take that, take that step and that transition into a leader. When he first got there in 2019, you know, he just, he couldn't play obviously because of the transfer rules. So um you know, it was funny listening to some of our defensive coaches while he was on scout team just wrecking shop, right? Because he was who he was even even before he became what he is now. But, um, man, he's just the consummate leader. Like, he is the guy who guys really rally around. Um, you know, I'll say this. When we we played North Texas this past year and we got down – uh, we got down two touchdowns in a hurry. We were we were all kind of shocked, right? It was, it was very, very shocking. We got down in a hurry and um, – you know, none of we just weren't playing well, weren't finishing, weren't capitalizing. He went down in the third quarter um, with what they thought was a broken foot. So he can't. He comes out of the game, um, and he's going to get X-ray for a broken foot. And you know, mm-hmm. the third quarter progresses. We're kind of getting in the fourth, and we might have been down seventeen or even twenty-one at this point. Um, he comes back. Sure enough, find out his foot was not broken. Um, it was just a very, very bad injury, and obviously, like he was, t- he toughed it out the whole way through, and he comes back. He comes back in with a couple minutes left in the third quarter. And I mean, he scores three touchdowns in the last 18 minutes of, of the game and we win the game by nine points. And it was just that to me, I mean, that was, you know, 
kind of towards the back half of the season. So you kind of saw it before then, but that was the moment right there where it was like, he's just, his presence is different. Like you, you really yeah. saw it. Like a lot of people can sit and, and say and talk about a presence, but really not know how to identify mm-hmm. it, or really how it, how it feels or how it manifests and matriculates. But you saw it right then and there. Like it was just different. He came back and he was making plays and um, that was really just who he is. You know, he was the same guy every day. You know, we, last year as we kind of towards the middle back half of the season, we lost some games. We weren't playing well. He was still the same guy every day at practice. He's the guy that's dancing around, same guy you see dancing around the senior bowl. That's who he was at Liberty. And it's just like that for me is like, that's who he is, right? He's going to, he's consistent. He's the same guy. He's the same guy who throws, you know, three touchdowns against middle Tennessee and we win by two or three touchdowns and he comes off the field, even though he's throwing two picks and is apologizing to coach freeze. You know, that's just who he is. Like we didn't, we won the game by multiple scores and he played well enough to, to, for us to, you know, have a steady lead, but it was still like, you know, I wasn't up to my standard. Right. So that's who he is, man. Guys just gravitate towards him. You know, he he was kind of the soft spoken guy who really developed that leadership role and and guys just follow him. So it's just, I'm really excited for him, you know, just, just as a person, you know, obviously him and his family, you know, they're, they're huge supporters of him. They're at every game and Mm -hmm. um, seeing how he interacts with them is uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled for him for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. It definitely seems like he kind of has those leadership traits that are just like, they're just not coachable. It's kind of like you're either born with it or maybe you, you can develop it a little bit, but for the most part, it seems like he's just kind of a natural born leader. And mm-hmm. of course the NFL, like the quarterback position, that's what you need. You absolutely need that in the NFL to, to be right. like a franchise guy. So mm-hmm. that's great to hear. Um, I wanted to, I have a funny story about Malik. Um, I went down to the senior bowl and it was after the game and I was, I was about to leave the stadium and I see Malik and I see with two people, like a, 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 it seemed like his dad and his mom and they're walking out of the stadium. I'm like, this is so weird. Like no one's here at the stadium. It's me and it's them. It's the four of us. And I see him from a distance. It's maybe like maybe 20 yards, something like that. Um, and I see like he even has his, his hoodie, like his logo, like the MW mm-hmm. logo. And I'm walking up to him like, oh, you know what? I'm so nervous. Like, I'm just this, this <laughs> nobody here. Like, but like, it's Malik Willis. Like, I got to go ask him for, for an autograph or a photo, whatever it is. So like, I get up the balls to, to ask him for a photo. I'm like, hey, Malik, you think I can get a photo real quick? Like, big fan, like stuff like that. Um, and then he turns to me and I get a closer look at him and he goes to me. And he's like, uh, I'm not Malik. I'm his brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. They do look a lot alike. So that's They're fair. twins, man. They look identical. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. It is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like apologizing <laughs> profusely. I was like, I was such like, oh my, I was so embarrassed. Oh my yeah. God. And then the parents are like, oh, look, you don't want no photo with you no more. Not, you're not Malik. <laughs> like, oh my God. I just made such like, an ass of myself. But it was yeah, a funny story. Nice. I still ended up doing yeah. a photo with him. And like, whenever I show people the photo, like, you sure that's not Malik? Like, maybe they're just messing with you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, it's yeah, man. Oh my gosh. No, he seems like a really great guy to, mm-hmm. to be around. And I totally get that feeling of like you gravitate towards him and you need that in the NFL. Um, so that's great to hear. Um, I guess in terms of, like you said, like the, the scouting reports are out there on him, but I feel like getting the insights from you will be, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to say it'd be less biased because, you know, you've been with, with Liberty and whatnot, but I feel like it'll be less biased than what the media is putting out there because a lot of the time, modern NFL media, you know, they've got their own narratives to spew and they'll kind of attach their narratives to, you know, something that might not be, might not have actual ground to say. Right. So, 
from your perspective, from what you've seen, you know, seeing Malik day in, day out practices, not only just games of practices and all that stuff in the film room, locker room, all that good stuff, kind of give us, you know, maybe a, a quick rundown, quick scouting report of, of who Malik Willis is as, as a quarterback. Yeah, you know, the thing that, that stands out about him, um, it's very easy to see when you watch any game. And part of the reason, probably the biggest reason I think he will be um, a success in the league is he's athletic, his athleticism, you know, and that's that's the umbrella term, right? It's mm-hmm. It encompasses so much. He can, you know, within the pocket, outside of the pocket, his ability to improvise. Um, you know, I go back to that North Texas game where we were backed up, um, we were coming out, and he the pocket breaks down and he is trying to find something to do and he rolls left and he you know he shovels he shovels the ball out to our running back who picks up 15 20 yards and it was just mm-hmm. i mean for us we were like oh that's just Malik but for any other quarterback who would do it is a great play right and right. um i think that i think one of the misconceptions about Malik and yeah. uh, hopefully my bias doesn't show but i think <laughs> he's a much better pocket passer than what's okay. given what he's given credit to um, I, and I'll go to the Ole Miss game that a lot of people may think, you know, mm-hmm. they may say that that's probably not his best game. Maybe it's not from a pocket standpoint. You know, I think he did a great job of, of shuffling, resetting constant pressure, right? I mean, it's Ole Miss. They, they have some, some studs up front. So, yeah. um, he did a great job of, he's a guy who can, who's obviously probably the, he's the most athletic quarterback in the draft, right? And yeah. one of the most athletic probably within the last four or five, six years, um, but he's a guy that he's so he's so athletic. He's not a guy who's going to run first, right? He's going to try mm-hmm. to extend it with within the pocket. He can play outside of structure. He doesn't have to rely on his legs at all, even though he can make tons of plays. You know, you see the UAB run he had, the run in a bowl game against Eastern Michigan where he cut back and it was forty yard touchdown run. So um, that's what I think is the biggest um, plus about his game, in my opinion, is that he's a mobile quarterback who doesn't look to be mobile first, right? Yeah. He trusts his arm. I think he's starting to know his strengths and weaknesses a little bit more. Um, you know, it's always tough with guys who have that an arm of, of his caliber, right? Because they think they can make every throw. And I mean, 99% of the time he can, so I don't yeah. blame him. Um, but it's just learning situationally what when's the best time to make those kinds of throws. So um, sure. that's kind of how I view him, the lens I view him through. You know, I and that's where the game's going, right? The game is going yeah. to these athletic, these mobile quarterbacks. You know, I they kind of compare him and Josh Allen. They talk about him in the same breath. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's somewhat fair. Josh Allen is, is, is a little bit bigger than Malik. But yeah. um, nonetheless, that's where the game's going, right? That's his skill set. He's not the sum of his parts yet, but he's. I think he's a lot closer than maybe some people think. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, I just think he's going to be he's going to be a, a good pocket passer earlier than, more pe- than most people would expect. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that, too. I think there's a lot of flashes on the film of some really like high level pros in terms of mm-hmm. understanding, you know, what his offensive play call is, what the defense is looking like pre-snap and kind of knowing where to the, where to go with the ball based off of that look. I saw a few good reps of that throughout his film um, the past two seasons. So I like him a lot. I'm very high on him. I think I agree with you. Like I, I do think he has a bit higher of a floor than people might mm-hmm. think. Number one, because of the athleticism, like that's going to get him out of a lot of tricky scenarios um, and then like he can kind of be a guy that how do I how do I describe this best like maybe you want to like get him a lot of easier kind of throws early in the game to get him in rhythm like whether it's off bootlegs moving the pocket stuff like that and then like when he's in rhythm man like he's really able to connect with, on his passes and I think like like you said like ironing out maybe the decision making in, in terms of trusting or sorry understanding like 
his own limits, I guess. Like that comes with pretty much every young quarterback. Like that yeah. usually will get ironed out in the NFL. Um, so I'm really not worried about that whatsoever. I think if he goes to a good situation with a patient coaching staff and just like a good uh, coaching staff that knows what they're doing, like he's going to be completely fine. I think he'll be a long time starter in the league uh, for sure. Do you have like one scenario, one team that you're really hoping he, he goes to? Oh man, you know, I don't want to throw any teams under the bus. I have, <laughs> I have a longer list of teams I don't want him to go to. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was neat, you know, being down at the Senior Bowl there too, seeing how much time he spent around Mike Tomlin and those guys. I would yeah. I would love to see him go to, the, go to the Steelers. Before the season, I was pounding the drum and I was saying to anybody who would listen before the season, <laughs> I would said I would love for him to go to Atlanta because he was from mm. Atlanta and Ryan was there. Um, I could not have thought of a better situation. Now it's changed a little bit uh, yeah. with him being an Indy and, and uh, I think Mariota's there. I mean, not that Mariota's necessarily the long-term starter, but um, I would I would probably say Pittsburgh or maybe New Orleans. You know, I think it's yeah. stable franchises, right, that have guys there that he doesn't necessarily have to play right away if they deem he's not ready. Um, so that's, what, that's kind of what I'm rooting for. I'm Absolutely. still rooting for Atlanta, even if they want to take him. <laughs> by all means, that would be pretty sweet. At eight, honestly, I can see it. I can see it. It would be it would be a big shocker. But that's the whole thing about this mm-hmm. draft class this year is there's not really a consensus in the top ten. It's gonna be unpredictable. It's gonna be crazy. So, man, strap in, draft fans. <laughs> strap in. You got a couple quarterbacks. Who who knows? Those are the wild cards every year, right? And this feels like this year more than ever. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, man. I'm I'm not even gonna ask you to kind of predict stuff like that. It's just <laughs> crazy, dude. Oh, that's the fun oh part. Um, any Texas topic? We will. We will get right into more Houston related players um, and players that have met with the Texans because all three uh, UH players we're about to talk about right now have met with the Texans in some capacity. So these are guys that they're interested in. They want to do more homework on and potentially could be new Texans come this Thursday and Friday and Saturday. God damn. It's, it's crazy. Really knock up on me. A couple man. more days. Couple more days. All right. So let's get into, we talked about Malik Willis at Liberty and the time that you've spent with him. Now let's go to the University of Houston, and you just joined the, the, the squad in March, but I imagine you've gotten still, you know, you've done your homework on these players, you know who they are, you know kind of their strengths and weaknesses and stuff. So let's go through um, these three main names from University of Houston, starting with Logan Hall. And so for you guys who don't know, he's a defensive lineman, 6'6", 283 pounds, 24 years old. Um, he really had a breakout 2021 season, um, 13 TFLs and six sacks. He's kind of projected as like an early second-round pick um, by most mock draft sites but we'll see how it turns out in in the the real one um he's had a top 30 visit with the texans so the texans i guess each team is only given 30 of these top 30 visits where they can bring the prospect into their stadium you know get them to meet their coaching staff medical staff training staff all that good stuff and it's really the most like intimate kind of visit that you can potentially have and to me it holds more weight than Oh, meeting a guy at the senior bowl, meeting a guy at the combine mm-hmm. pro day, stuff like that. Like this is really kind of showcasing who the Texans really want to do their most homework on and are most interested in, in my opinion. So Logan Hall is one of those guys. Um, he's really powerful. He's a long dude. He's quick for his size. He's versatile, plays a little bit on the inside, a little bit on the outside as well. I like him a lot on the inside. Um, we'll kind of, I'll ask you kind of how you see him best fitting in the NFL. Um, but just kind of more information about Hall, like, from what I was able to find in terms of research and, and learning more about him, like he seems like he's a guy or he is a guy that the coaches absolutely love. He's known for kind of his work ethic, whether that's in the weight room or practice in the film room. 
Um, and he's grown a lot since he got to Houston. He came there at 225, and now he's at 283. So that kind of is a testament to, you know, putting in the work, doing what's necessary to become the player that the coaching staff believes he should be. So with that being said, with a little debrief uh, from what I know of Logan Hall, um, what are your kind of overall thoughts on Logan Hall? Where do you see him kind of fitting best in the NFL? Because I know that's a big thing with him is like he's versatile, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to give him some sort of you, – you need to have some sort of plan of mm-hmm. the best way to help him succeed. So what are your thoughts on Logan Hall? Where do you see him best succeeding in the NFL? Yeah, so what's neat about um, a guy like Logan is I think maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, he would have been a guy that would have been pigeonholed into one or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a square peg in a round hole or pigeonholed into one area of the of the defense, right? But yeah. as offenses have, have changed and shifted and become more multiple, more athletic, right, defenses have had to respond. So naturally, I think it, at the NFL level, you kind of have moved away from your static, like odd and even fronts specifically. And obviously, you always have your base defense. That, that is what it is. But um, a guy like him, he can kind of – he fits inside or outside at this level because mm-hmm. – or at the NFL level because there's so much movement in different um, different looks, um, especially up front, right? So um, primarily, I think for guys who are outside, if you're going to rush the pass, if you're going to be on the edge, right, one of the main – probably the main trait is you got to be athletic, right? Yep. you got to have some sort of semblance of athleticism to rush the passer at the next level. And that's what he has um, – he has enough athleticism to survive on the edge for sure. He's long. Um, you pull up his spider chart on mock draftable and you compare it to, you know, the other D tackles. Yeah. He's 80th percentile, just about every athletic testing measure. Um, and obviously he's 6'6", 285. Um, so I think he's a guy who really, you know, having his, he did a lot of his damage for us um, with his hand in the dirt inside. And I think he can do the same at the next level. He's quick with his hands. He's strong. Um, I don't know if he has a consistent enough plan yet as a pass rusher to win on the outside right away in the NFL. You know, as his floor, I think his floor is going to be, you know, somewhere as a three or four, maybe even a five, depending on odd or even front. You know, I know the Texans mm-hmm. love he's kind of shifted to an even front. So naturally he might kick inside as a three tech on some pass rushing downs. He's strong enough to set the edge. It's not going to be an issue for him um, as a, as a, as a, even front end so um kind of sounds like taking easy way out he can do both but he he really can i mean a guy like him with his combination of of size athleticism traits i would be shocked if he's not a top 40 pick personally because guys like that in today's day traditionally go right in that range even a guy like peyton turner for them a few years ago uh, same kind of deal right Uh, marcus davenport from the saints few even a few years back so um he, I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck his way into the back half of the first round, the back end of the first round. It really wouldn't surprise me. So um, he's got all the traits to, to warn, like I said, a top 40 pick. Um, once he kind of continues to tie that plan together, he's really, really good with his hands. I mean, he has strong hands. He has quick hands. Um, he's flashing moves. He's relentless. Got a great motor. Um, you know, I think it's really just that's what separates kind of uh, maybe a first, late first, early second round pick is the the smaller nuances of pass rush, right? Because it's a mm-hmm. it's, art and it's developmental art right so yeah um i think he's, he's got a chance to be a great player tons of upside so um yeah he can wreck shot from anywhere <laughs> absolutely he's crazy that's how i see it too and i love the point that you made about you know you got to be multiple nowadays you, mm-hmm. versatility is only going to be you know a benefit to your repertoire and so logan hall like I, I i agree like in terms of projecting for the texans like i think ideally he's your 
your strong side DN, like five tech on yep. rundown, set the edge, use those long arms and just reset mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage nicely. Um, and then, yeah, kick them inside to three tech. That's something I wanted to ask you about because I, I, I think it's possible for sure. Um, I think where I like, if I could put him into any scheme, essentially, I would kind of make him more of a three, four DN, ask him to two gap or something like that, just because of his length, his ability to read the ball through traffic um, and play numerous gaps like that. That's kind of how I envision him best, but I do think he can also do three tech. Do you think like with Houston's scheme, do you think maybe he was not um, like, what was he kind of asked to do? Like in terms of more so getting upfield and a one gap penetrating style defense, more so two gapping, like do you, where was his, where, what was he asked to do? And what did you believe like he was kind of most comfortable with? Well, yeah, he, so he, he definitely did a lot um, on the interior and he yeah. looks very comfortable. It looks very fluid and natural, right? Because when you're rushing, mm-hmm. um, rushing from the edge versus the interior, obviously a, it's like, it's, it's geometry for one, right? Because the shorter distance from two points is a straight line, right? So you have to have a different plan rushing inside versus outside, dealing with space. So for a guy who's as long as he is, it was surprising to see how comfortable and effective he was as an inside rusher. Yeah. Um, we used him inside, and we had some good edge rushers last year, obviously, with Dave, and we have another guy I'll kind of talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. So he was, you know, I think he's definitely comfortable enough to do it at the next level and handle okay. two gaps. Like you said, he's he's long. He's strong up top, right? He And he does a really good job, obviously, because he's long, but he does a really good job of kind of keeping his frame clean. And that, again, goes back to how he uses his hands, right? He's not going to stay stuck to blocks very for very long at all if he, you know, if he even gets stuck at all. He wins a lot of the initial engagements. Um, I think he had a better – he has a, a good plan um, on the inside, don't know if you'll have it on the outside as much. Again, we mm-hmm. talked about that, but um, I think from a comfortability standpoint and a usage standpoint, I think transitioning to the inside at the NFL level should should come pretty naturally for him. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And I think, like you said, with the hands, like that is such a – like he might not be as refined in terms of pass rush plan on the edge, like you said, but I think because of how well-rounded his hands are, like every aspect of it, like when I look at like hand usage, um, I look at like hand timing, Hand mm-hmm. placement and hand power. Those are kind of the main three things I look at. And he's got them all. Like he's, he's got, got his pumps yeah. well. He knows he knows his aiming points really well. Um, and then man, he packs some power. Like he will he packs some power for sure in his punch. And so yeah, I like him a lot as an interior guy, especially just to, you know, as a run defender, I think it would be absolutely great. I have no questions whatsoever about that. And I think as a pass rusher, like you said, like that's kind of the main thing on him. Is like it's a little bit more of a projection, but I think he can be a hell of a pocket collapser, man. Mm-hmm. I really think he can. Just the super long arms. He, he, he can get low. I think he can like, he's really good at getting low um, and, and maintaining his leverage as a run defender. I think he can improve a bit more as a pass rusher, but like he can get there where he can collapse the pocket real well, drive his legs. Yeah. Um, and he's also got some moves on him and like it'll come in and go. It's like a little bit more flashes than it is like consistent, but like, yeah. he, he's got some, he's got some moves on him. I was just going to say, he's really, really close. Like he's yeah. really, really close. Right. And again, that probably is what would separate like him being a bona fide first round pick versus, you know, if he's picked 37, 38, whatever, but he is really, really close, right? He's, he is not the sum of his parts yet, but he's going to figure it out. Um, and he's athletic, right? He's athletic for his, his size athleticism ratios off the charts. Right. And so yeah. everyone, every team's going to be enamored by that. And that's what those guys get paid to do is to coach that up and, and maximize that, uh, maximize their traits. So mm-hmm. he's really, really close. I think he's going to find a way to, that's the other thing too, is as a pass rusher, he finds a way, right? So, yeah. It's really, really tough to be an effective NFL 
pass rusher if you don't have a, a plan B or even like a plan mm-hmm. C, right? And you can see it with plan with him. Like if his plan A, if he's going to soften the edge and be an upfield one gap rusher, right? And if it doesn't work, he's he has the motor, he has the hands, he's going to find a way to you know get to the quarterback. Yeah. Again, sacks are kind of um, sack is a convoluted stat in my yeah. opinion. You know, it's really kind of more about just generating pressure. Now, sack you want to be able to generate sacks because that means you can finish plays, but pressures are just as you know, it's equally as important. And that's where I think he still finds a way. He's really close. He's going to be, I think he's got a lot of upside. Definitely, definitely. And I love your point about pressures because everyone will like to just go to a box score and, and see their stat numbers. And, and just, that's how you decide if a player is good or not. Right. It's really not always that because things like pressures aren't going to show up in the box score all the time. And so you got to actually like watch the games and, and see, man, is this guy actually making an impact? And I think you see that every single game with Logan Hall. Like there's not really, I, there was none of the games that I watched from him where like he disappeared. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think he's someone who's always going to consistently make an impact, whether it shows up on the box score or not. Um, but especially as an interior guy, like you need like interior pressure is the most difficult pressure to evade mm-hmm. as a quarterback. That's what really gets to them because they can step up in the pocket if it's exterior pressure um but if, if you're muddying up the pocket like that there's nowhere to step into and so he's a guy like logan hall is going to make his edge rushers better as well help them finish sacks if, if quarterbacks can't step up in the pocket so i'm a big fan of logan hall i really liked him um i gave him an early second round grade basically for the exact reasons that you said is like i would like to see a bit more of an advanced pass rush plan um and then he's a bit older at 24 Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, like this man is a really clean prospect, I think in terms of, you know, this is a a safe bet to, for a guy to succeed in the NFL. So I'll be very happy if the Texans selected him at their second round pick, which is 37th overall, there you go, top 40. And I think that'll be a good spot for Logan Hall to, to land to, man. Um, yeah, 100%. So let's move on. We talked about Logan Hall. We're talking about Malik Willis. Let's talk about another Houston Cougar in Marcus Jones. And this guy is one of, I know a lot of Texans fans absolutely love him because he's so, so fun to watch. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys, and I've always kind of gravitated to these players that, you know, they may be smaller, but they play bigger than their size. They punch above their weight class, and they're feisty dudes. So, Marcus Jones, cornerback out of Houston. He's 5'8", 174 pounds. Um, In 2021, just some key stats. I get 13 pass breakups and five interceptions. He was also the Paul Hornung Award winner. Um, he's kind of known as this really great return specialist, just super versatile. He's played on offense and defense. He's just an athletic, absolute freak. Um, and then he transferred to UH in 2020. He previously played at Troy. So, and he's another player that met with the Texans. I believe they had, he did, he met with them at their local prospect day when they held a bunch of those, uh, other Houston prospects. So he's someone the Texans are interested in. They do need cornerback help. Now, my question to you is, do you think Marcus Jones is only a nickel corner? Uh, it's tough. You know, he actually he actually spent um, a lot of time uh, being an out you know an That's outside right. corner yep. for us, boundary to the field. I did both, so I think what is gonna might hinder him um, at the next level is his length. You know, you can yeah. be. I think there's kind of a misconception about cornerback um, height a little bit. I think there's some truth to it. I think it just gets overblown from a general perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because length length compensates for a lot, right? And that's in any position for, for that matter. Um, so I think that's kind of where he is deficient. Um, but I also just think that like being a nickel corner, being in the slot in today's in today's football, kind of like the starter position. About, I mean, that's the starting exactly starting position. They're extremely valuable, and I think it just maximizes his skill set. Like 
this dude is dynamic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was fun to watch him. Like just going back through like the AAC, they tweeted out something about like the best returns this year. And he had like two or three of them. Right. I mean, he's super dynamic. Uh, he's quick twitch. He's a little shorter, obviously, but that dude is really instinctive, has a good, just, he has a good feel for space. Right. And that's what, that's what the nickel, that's what that position is, right? You have to deal with two way goes, got to have a good feel for how routes are developing for releases for, mm-hmm. for route combos. So I think just putting him in the slot is the best way to maximize his, his potential at the next level. And yeah. again, kind of a guy who may be like a fringe day three or a fringe day two, day three guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he went day two. I mean, his return value is off the charts. He's got to be the best returner in this class. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that because I don't know all the returners <laughs> in this class, but I do know that if you can return eight or nine kicks or punts for touchdowns, you're pretty dang good. Um, not a lot of people in the history of college football have done that. So mm-hmm. um, he's got a chance, again, to be like a kind of a top 100 pick. I think he's going to have – he has every opportunity to be to have a long career in the NFL. Um, I just think that putting him in the slot is, is where, even though he has played on the outside, maybe has – an opportunity to be a field corner at the next level, but mm-hmm. um, just taking advantage of what he does well just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think you always want to play to your prospects' strengths and, and mm-hmm. in terms of creating a plan for them as, as the coaching staff, creating a plan for them to, you know, put them in a position to succeed. That's always the the, the saying you hear, right? But it's, it's true. It, it is absolutely true because that kind of makes or breaks, you know, these players' success in the NFL. Like, a lot of the time, like, people like to blame the players for being a bust or for flaming out or whatever, but a lot of the time it's the coaching staff and maybe not utilizing them to their strengths or not. Um, but I, I, I'm in agreement with you, with Jones. I do think, even though he played outside in college, like, his best fit will be in the nickel. Um, yeah, great instincts. Like, he wants to tackle. He's feisty. He's super quick. He has all the quickness to defend, you know, slot wide receivers and stuff like that. Um, mm. And then what I also think is, like, I think that's where you definitely want to start him off. But I think he could transition a little bit, and depending on the matchup, he could be a field corner, kind of like, kind of like Troy Hill. Um, spent time with the Rams, and I was with Browns. Mm-hmm. Different players because Jones is a lot more athletic, in my opinion. But that same idea is that where he can move inside and out, kind of depending on the matchup. If if the opposing team's running, you know, maybe a smaller Z wide receiver, um, then you can have him falling around to the slot or outside and stuff like that. So I think Jones at the very least, like you're getting a, an ace special teamer, great return guy, um, and mm-hmm. then potential starter as nickel or really great depth, um, you know, nickel or outside. So I really like him for sure. Yeah, you think late day two, um, early day three, huh? I think so. You know, I just think that he, there's too much uh, there's too much there to work with to, yeah. to pass him by. Um you know, obviously his his potential in the uh, in the to the prolong the perimeter is up for debate. But mm-hmm. you return kicks, you make a you make an impact on special teams. You can cover fast, um, you know, speedy guys in the slot. You're going to have a chance to um, to make a lot of money. That's for sure. Definitely, Nichols. Nichols, the new base, as they like to say. That's what it is. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> even at, even at the college football level. Like it's yeah. that's what it's become. If you have a good nickel coverage corner, I think you can point to a lot of defenses. Um, there's a correlation, right, in the NFL between, you know, good defenses, successful defenses, and a um, successful slot corner or just a um, number four, number five DB, however you want to, you know, quantify it. But I think he's uh, he's going to be a good fit for this, for the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, I had a point about Jones, and then I completely forgot. Ah, I remember. My, my player comp for him, I don't like to do player comps because I feel like they get – clickbaited in, in the media mm-hmm. um, and people will just say some outlandish things, but 
the one the player that he reminded me of and the way i look at player comps is it's not necessarily like the success the players had in the career but it's more like body type athletic ability right. um, and, and play style like that so the way I, I look at marcus jones is he reminds me a lot of Amik robertson um at louisiana tech a few years ago and mm-hmm. that guy was one of my draft crushes man he plays so hard so feisty like he kind of has that honey badger mentality that like mm-hmm. i know I, you might have a few inches and a, and a lot of pounds on me but man i'm gonna hit you in your mouth and you're gonna feel it <laughs> for sure so do you have a player comp uh for marcus jones oh man that's tough you know there was a initially i one of my draft questions way back when was another lot tech guy who uh Mm -hmm. spent some time with the cowboys was uh, xavier woods he was a guy that i just i love like my my draft my grade on him i think was two rounds higher than where he actually went and he enjoyed some success but I think it's the same kind of thought, right? They may not be the same player. The comparison mm-hmm. from like what, what we are talking about may not necessarily be the same, but I think the result of of their careers are, are going to mirror each other, right? It's a guy who may, who will probably be drafted later than maybe he should have gone, but he's going to find a way to succeed in the league because he has all the right tools. He has the right traits, yeah. um, especially for, for Marcus. You know, he's not a guy that is going to be pigeonholed into man or zone coverage, right? And yeah. It's kind of what the Texans seem like they they like to do. They run a lot of zone, a lot of two and three, single high. You know, they're going to move it around a little bit. But he's a guy that has the traits to, to play man, uh, to play zone. So I guess I'll kind of go with Xavier Woods. You know, some Cowboy fans or some Texans fans, they may not like that. But um, I see I see a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you on that one for sure. I like Jones. I think for us, for the Texans in particular, nickel corner we have more of a need on the outside corner than the nickel corner um we got really good play out of tavier thomas last year one of the more underrated players in the league so um i wouldn't like bet money on the texans like drafting marcus jones like i think it's a lot more likely that they would go after logan hall than marcus jones because there's a bigger need there on the defensive line um but he's definitely an interesting name to watch out for because man he he's gonna stick in the league he's gonna have a pretty decent career man for sure so we talked about Logan Hall. We talked about Marcus Jones. Let's get into the last guy on our list for Houston, and that is David Aneni. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I believe so, yeah. Okay, okay. David Aneni, he's an edge rusher, 6'2", 245 pounds. Uh, he's a fifth-year senior. He met with the Texans at their local prospect day. He's got some very consistent uh, sack numbers. That's kind of what I noticed mm. out of him. Um, he, he had, in 2018, he had four, then 2019, five. 2024 and a half and then 2021 five so like very consistent there maybe you'd like to see a little bit more of an uptick um in terms of improvement but i think this is a player who's gotten better over his time um he kind of profiles as a guy who's athletic got long arms and maybe um maybe more of a designated pass rusher type role in the nfl that's kind of how he seems to project as so for texans fans think about jacob martin think about our new signing ogbo Koronkwo. I'm gonna mess that up so many times. But, <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, it is, man. It's tough, man. These names. Ah, um, English is my first language, but I'm still gonna suck at it. Um, <laughs> so I didn't personally do a, a full evaluation on on David for my scouting. Sorry, for my draft guide, he wasn't one of the 222 players I looked at. But I know roughly about him. But I'd love to hear more from you, kind of, you know, his strengths, his weaknesses, and what his game is like, David and any. <laughs> Yeah, so he's a guy really that I didn't um, I didn't really know anything about him up until like pro day really because um, mm-hmm. obviously getting in there late and just knowing you know it was it was Logan and, and Marcus were the two guys right and rightfully so they obviously yeah. have they've they've kind of 
earned that that right in the conversation. But when when we were at pro day, I saw I saw David, and I didn't know who he was, but I saw him. Um, I saw him jump for one. I saw him broad jump, and I was like, "Whoa, that was like, who is this dude?" But you can see him when he's standing there, right? You can see. I saw his build. He's very muscular. He's got long arms. Um, he's I'm pretty sure he's a legit six two. I didn't really stand next to him, but looking at him, he's he's got some good height. And then obviously, you know, when he, he comes out to run the 40, he takes his shirt off. This dude is rocked up. And I was like, okay, this this dude is something, you know, something serious. So I went back and watched his tape and same kind of deal. You know, he's uh, the athletic numbers that you that you saw this pro day, you know, when he went, he looked at the 37 inch vert. I think he went 10 plus in the broad. Um, he was 465, 466 in the 40. I mean, you see that on tape, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be, now he's a little more limited um, as a player. He's got kind of a narrow skill set. Um, yeah. Like you said, it's going to be kind of a DPR role, I think is, is what his, his floor is going to be. But man, those guys find a way like a Josh, uh, I think of a Josh Uche who was drafted oh, a year or two, you know, same kind of deal. He was a little, now they moved him around a little bit more. So the utilization's different, but from an athleticism standpoint, I think that that's where he's going to have ooh, very poor. I thought, you know, he tested, it's just the size. It's just the size was very poor. But like you said, yeah. like the explosiveness is elite. The speed, like right. a good forty, didn't do the agility too well. But the the explosiveness and that matches on tape, and it's so important yeah. for those edge rushers, right, to have that get off. So yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Continue. No, you're yeah, same deal. I mean, you see that you see it show up on tape, right? The explosiveness yeah. that you see it in his first step. He's you know he's violent up the arc. He's got a lot of speed. The tackles they have to be. They have to be respective of his speed, right? And I think that's where he's really going to find a way to carve out a nice role in the NFL is those guys who can sell speed. A lot of guys can speed rush up the arc. What separates them is, you know, that inside counter if the speed rush gets taken away because those tackles at the NFL are actually really good. So um, he has flashes of an inside counter. That's, you know, it's a tough thing to to develop and it doesn't happen overnight. So, um, you know, I think a stand-up edge rusher, probably an an odd front is going to be where he thrives, kind of a role that uh, we used him in last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but just along the edge in general, he's going to win. He's got long arms, <clears throat> especially relative to his height. So yeah. defends the run well, strong, explosive, powerful. I think, you know, the opinions on where he gets drafted might be a little varied. I, again, all bias aside, I would be surprised if he weren't drafted, right? Because it's always yeah. bad on athleticism, especially in pass rushers. Um, mm-hmm. And especially him too. He's been efficient with his snaps, right? He may not have yeah. he may not have as many pass rush opportunities as some of the other guys in his class, but he's shown he can make the most of it. Um, so if you're athletic and you know how to get after the quarterback, you're going to have a chance to get drafted for sure. Um, so he's probably like he may be like a fifth or sixth round guy. Wouldn't be surprised if he went higher. Um, he's the wild card though for sure, and he's got a lot of upside. A lot of upside. He's definitely the wild card, and, and he's another <laughs> one of those guys where it's like, man, this draft is, is so unpredictable. There's no consensus. Like mm-hmm. these guys are gonna go so much higher, so much lower than we than everyone's projecting. So it's gonna be wild to see. But I do think he's a guy that teams will bet on 100. I think you're right. Like there's a there's a lot of the baseline traits of a designated pass rusher to like there. The athleticism, <laughs> the explosiveness, the arm, like 34 inch arms. Yeah, for guys, he was standing there and his arms were hanging down. I was like, oh, this, dude, <laughs> this dude must be something serious. Well, God damn. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a guy that's, yeah, yeah, maybe mid, late day three, you know, take that upside swing um, because he does have a lot of like, I think room to improve, I guess that's yeah. what I would say. It's like in terms of the whole pass rush plan, more consistent with the counters, adding more of a power element to him, to his game. Do you think he can get to that? Like add the, adding the speed, the power? 
Yeah, I think that's and that even that too. Like I think, um, I think that is even a more technical part of the pass rush than people would would maybe yeah. give it credit for. I think there's there's yeah. really uh, a unique and specific technique to speed to power. Right, it's not just the the physical act of you know going speed to power. You got to sell with leverage. Yeah. Even that timing, right? It's all timing and leverage. Timing, yeah. That's what it's about. Now, now he has the traits to do it. A lot of guys they can try to wind up and, and give it their best speed to speed to power, you know, effort. But mm-hmm. um, what helps him is he's as long as he is too, right? So that's only going to make it easier for him. He's got power up top. He's really good with his hands. Um, he has strong hands, right? We talk about the three parts of yeah. being a hands rusher. Um, he's got those, I think. You know, maybe not as much. They're not as developed as maybe a Logan Hall or some of these other yeah. guys, but um the promises there the flashes are there so again not a, a guy who's um putting it all together but um at least you know the, his floor has got you know his floor kind of has to be i think third down pass rusher he can yeah. find a way to, to get after the quarterback for sure for sure just having a guy with that juice like yeah he's, right he's gonna be like a, a shot of adrenaline like kind of mm-hmm. like and i think that designated pass rusher role like it kind of has like a Maybe it has a bit of a, a bad connotation to it because you're not a starter, but like I, the way I look at it is like a six man in basketball. Like it's it's basically a starter um, with how much like teams want to like rotate their defensive line nowadays and then right. have these guys come in fresh. And so if you can be that juice off the bench, like that's it's a really valuable role for sure. And, and we know the Texans and Lovey Smith loves to rotate his D line. So yeah, and that's what we a, real quick. I'll make a point about this too. When we were at Liberty, we had a, a D end who um, was undrafted, Jesse Lemonier. <clears throat> Bounced around a couple of camps and then landed with the char- with the uh, with the Lions, and they're resigning this past offseason. And that's exactly what he was for them. He was a guy who could rotate and had a strong last half of the season, generated a couple sacks and pressures. But that's what it is, right? There's value in that. The Lions saw saw that hey, we have this guy who's not a full time pass rusher, even mm-hmm. really a full time maybe a full time defensive end. Yeah. But that's what this that's what the game's about, right? It's about being able to pass and get after the passer. So. Um, I think, again, a guy like him, because he's athletic as he is and because he's had the production, that's half the battle, right? You know, if you yeah. could have all the traits in the world, but when you don't have that production piece, it's going to raise some red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has that. And that's why I think is what, you know, what would separate him from maybe like a Jesse or another fringe guy is he's got a chance to really hear his name called and um, find some success pretty early in the right fit, of course. In the right fit, in the right fit, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, that I, I really appreciate your insights on these three players. We talked about Logan Hall, Marcus Jones, and David Anani. If you guys are just tuning into the stream now, definitely go check out the audio version. It'll be on uh, Believe in Texans podcast um, for Apple Podcasts, but I like this stuff. It'll be back up here on YouTube um, after this. But we're going to move on to future University of Houston players to look out for because, as you said, like you're kind of just joining, you joined uh, Houston in March, and so you've kind of you know, getting more of your homework done on, on the future classes, right? Mm-hmm. So who are some guys to look out for, you know, 2023, 2024, just like the, you know, the main names that we should be looking out for that that you believe in highly? Yeah, so first and foremost, obviously, our quarterback, Clayton Toon, he's he just had, he's coming off a really, really good season. Um, kind of monitoring, I haven't really seen all the tape from before 2021, but looking at his production, you know, you can kind of, it mirrors the, um, the steps that he's taken in his progression, right? And even mm-hmm. watching him now, Tremendous leader, has a great command of our offense, um, knows knows where to go with the ball. I think he's going to have a heck of a shot to get drafted next year. Um, the guy he's throwing the ball to, I, I can't rave about this dude enough, <laughs> Tank Dell. If you guys have not seen him turn his tape on, he – I'm not even lying. No, you know, no exaggeration. He may be one of the most sudden uh, receivers in the country. Mm, um, wow. He's thin. 
he's you know he's pretty skinny, but he is incredibly athletic, incredibly uh, sudden, explosive. Knows how to get open, and he plays a lot bigger than he is. Right, that's kind of the thing that's I think most impressive about him is he's a little slight in the frame, but he's not afraid to go up over the middle. He catches everything thrown his way. Um, he's acrobatic. Play inside, outside. <clears throat> I don't know if he'll be a first round pick, but I mean, we'll be having the, that discussion. I think this time next year, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he uh, developed into that type of player, at least, you know, a top, top 40, top 50 guy. He's got tremendous opportunity, a little under the radar too. A lot of good receivers coming back. I think he's got to be in the top 10 of those guys coming back. Oh, um, nice. Other side of the ball. We have another edge rusher, Derek Parrish rocked up dude as muscular as they come. Yeah. Um, he's had some good production over the years, um, put together a pretty good year last year. Um, he's going to be the guy to, a guy to watch and look out for it. It'll be exciting to see him. Um, and then opposite him, we have another DN, D'Anthony Jones, again, coming off another good year. Um, big, thick, strong, competitive, phys- uh, physical, good motor gets after the quarterback. Um, both of those guys bookending each other is going to be huge for us. And I think they're going to have, you know, again, this time next year, I think we have having this discussion about all four of those guys. Awesome. David, I appreciate that. Um, the wide receiver you mentioned. So it's Tate Dell. How do you pronounce Tank it? Tank Dell. Yeah. T-A-N-K. That's not, that's not his real name, but that's, you know, <laughs> uh, that's obviously what we call him. For sure. For sure. He kind of, the way you were at first describing him was like super sudden, um and athletic like i was like oh this is like marquez Mar- marquez marquez stevenson Stevenson, yeah yeah but then you kind of said like oh man he, he's got the toughness he can go over the middle like he's got strong hands like i guess it was a different picture but like who if it might be too early in kind of his stage of, of development and career but if you were to give him kind of a, a player comp could you throw one out mm. there for us mm. wow that's that's a good one um mm. I'm kind of on the spot here. No, no, sorry. It's just like he seemed. No, like that's okay. Really that's okay. Excited me, and I was like, "Damn, I want to know. I want to know more about him." I'm gonna go watch this film later uh, tonight. But if you can't think of one, no worries whatsoever. I just the way you're describing him, I felt like Marquez Stevenson. But if you got anyone for us, let us know. If not, no worries, man. Yeah, I'd love to say uh, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> but he's in a class of his own. <laughs> I'd love to. But that but... general idea of that super athletic, like, but then mm-hmm. underrated hands as well. Like, okay. Yeah, uh, tank now. Now. People are going to hear that, and they're definitely going to raise some eyebrows. Uh, <laughs> Tyreek Hill is obviously one of the fastest, if not the fastest players in the NFL. Tank, um, he's quicker than he is fast, um, but you know he finds ways to get open. I saw him. I tell anybody this story when we were in spring practices, Pat, uh, a few weeks ago. He made this catch on the sideline. He was running full speed, right, and he was tracking yeah. the ball. And he's about to make the catch, and the sideline's maybe you know, three, four, five yards from him and he hasn't made the catch yet so he's he's about to make the catch and he stops i mean when we say stop on a dime he literally stopped on a dime right which is tough enough to do as it is but then to transition out of that usually guys have to gather kind of take some control and some pause and then go no he made the catch and transitioned straight up the field in an instant so that was i mean if you haven't seen him already turn on their bowl game against auburn that's where i came to new even before i started working for them just watching him tear up auburn um gonna be a great player that's awesome, man. Yeah, that quick change of direction ability. Like, it seems like he's going to be a great yak guy. Like, if he can 100%. transition from catching to running like that. Yeah. Then his ability, what's really neat about that, too, is he can sell vertical. He can sell stem, press outside, mm-hmm. cut it underneath, inside. I mean, he's got, you know, the head, he's got good help, head tilts, uh, stick his foot in the ground and go. So he's, he's going to be fun.
Nice. Awesome. 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 Okay. We'll get to learn more about those players in this next year, looking out in the next draft classes. Um, but I guess I want to loop back to 2022 really quickly. We'll finish this off um, with just some rapid fire questions, talking about the 2022 class um, and maybe just, just some random superlatives really. So starting it off, who is your favorite defensive player in the 2022 class? Oh, my favorite player. Um, You know, we played we played coastal at, when I was at Liberty. We played coastal in the bowl game in 2020, and they have the yeah. DN uh, Hunter. Hunter and Jeffrey. He yes. he's real deal Holyfield. He mm-hmm. now not not to say that I thought he wasn't as good as, as he was billed to be, but he is. He's going to be a really good football player. Um, I think he's got a really shot, a real good shot to to make it in at the next level. Um, yes, I love Sauce Gardner. I mean, everybody does, but yeah, um, yeah Jeffrey Gunner, man. If you guys haven't seen him, check him out. He's He's kind of the whole package, really. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely love him. I thought he's one of the more underrated players. Um, so I'm so glad you brought up his name. He's he's six four, two fifty eight. He's like he's pretty rocked up. He's got decently long arms, like, um, and he's athletic, man. He mm-hmm. he will kind of surprise you because he looks like this this really well built, bulkier guy, and but he's quick. He's quick off the ball, mm-hmm. um, and and he shows a lot of pass rush nuance. Right. So which I was not really expecting out of him. He kind of was built. Yeah, he knows what he's like, doing. Yeah, absolutely. With his hands, with the plan, like, whew. so I like him a lot. Um, I can see him late day two, very, very early day three at the latest. Um, that's where I would take him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like Jeffrey Gunter a lot. That's your favorite defensive player in the class. Also love Sauce. Love to hear it. Um, favorite offensive player now. Oh, my favorite offensive player. You know what? Um, I'll probably I'll go quarterback. I won't say Malik, obviously, but I'll stick with quarterback. Um, okay. I'll probably say Matt Corral. Um, yes, I'm another big Matt Corral fan. Oh my god, yeah, TJ, yeah, let's go! Hey, that dude's the truth. So we again, the guy that we got to see live last year against when we played Ole Miss, man, and he is. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's a lot taller than people might think he is, but he mm-hmm. is like he's he's tough. I mean, he's running the ball thirty so times tough. against Tennessee. He's he's extremely tough. Um, he is. A very very nuanced passer. He is he's yeah. really really good. He never panics. He never rushes anything. If it's not there, now he's he's a guy who can run, but he's not necessarily like a true true dual threat. Yeah. Uh, but he's tough. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. Obviously, he's he's got a ton of confidence in Moxie. Um, seeing that dude as a freshman mixing it up with Mississippi State in the eight yeah. ball, that dude's not afraid of anybody, which I would love in my quarterback. So. Um, I, I really like that guy's game. I think he's gonna he's gonna have a shot to. Uh, I mean, he may depend on where he goes. Obviously, he may have a shot to compete for that starting job in year one. Mm-hmm. So, um, really like that dude. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, I'm fully on board with you. He is my quarterback one this year, mm-hmm. which is definitely against the consensus. Um, but it's for me. He has all the athletic ability that you want. Like maybe he's not Malik Willis as a runner. Maybe he doesn't have Malik Willis's arm. But like it's it, it's pretty close. Like he's he's very mobile. Um, mm-hmm. You can drop designated run plays if you want for him. You don't really have to, um, but you can. And he can make all the throws on the field. Like he's, he's all the throws, so man. He he sure. can die. He'll die. He slice and dice us. I'll yeah. tell you what. He's 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 a tough one to stop. Yeah, and 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 I think he showed this year going from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty one. Like everyone was making such a big deal of his what fourteen interceptions in twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. That's a crazy number because I think he had like six in one game or something. Oh like yeah, t- decision making got a lot better. Yeah, it got a lot better. That's exactly what I was getting. That he dropped it down to four interceptions, and he showed that he can be a lot more 
you know, surgical with the ball. Right? Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin's offense, you know, they went real, real uh, RPO heavy. And then he consistently made those, those simple reads um, and was able to really, I just, I, I liked how he was able to kind of move his feet around the pocket really quickly, adjust to different throwing windows. Um, and he's so, one thing I noticed with him is like, he's so manipulative, like with his he eyes, is. with his pump fakes, like he knows how to fool the defense, man. And so I think there's a lot of things that like the intangibles that you mentioned as well. There's a lot of things that you just can't coach up um, that he already possesses. And so it's like, damn, like if I can add more coaching and more development to what he already has, like, dude, I'm getting the star here. Yeah, so, he's, he's going to do some things. He will for sure. I don't know if he's going to go top 10 first round even, but man, I think teams are going to regret passing on Matt Corral. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. All righty. We did favorite defensive and offensive player. Now let's go to who do you think is the most overrated player in this class? <laughs> most overrated. All right. No, no shots, obviously. Nothing yeah. personal. Um, I would say Sam Howe, personally. Um, Dude, I, are you reading my brain? Like, <laughs> God damn, TJ. So, I mean, first of all, from just on the field, right? Obviously, yeah. he when he lost his best players, you, you kind of got a better look at exactly. who he was as a player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, comparatively, if you were to put, you know, like a guy like Malik around who North Carolina had, I think Malik would have far outperformed what's what Sam Hell put right. And then I think the biggest thing for me um, was when we went to the senior bowl and watching him throw live, it just didn't, it just wasn't impressive. Um, his, he's got a really long motion, which is kind of strange for a guy who's not a big or long or tall yeah. passer. Um, the ball just kind of takes a while to get out. Doesn't really, it doesn't really come off his hand the way you would like. Um and all of those things, really his motion really just kind of affects his accuracy a little bit. You kind of you yeah. kind of see that in both in this in the senior bowl practices and um on the game film. But he just you know, he's a guy, you know, I guess he may not even be overrated because no one's really talking about him as like the top QB, I don't think, but mm-hmm. just not a guy that I just would really feel all that invested in if if Thank he you. were gonna be the face of the franchise, just from what I've seen on tape and you know, seeing him live. That's how, that's exactly how I feel too. Like he's my quarterback, one, two, three, four, five, six. Give him a third round grade. Like I don't get the first round height that he's gotten all this past year whatsoever. I think he can he can be a decent starter, like maybe a like top twenty in the league starter. Like that's like maybe his ceiling. Um, but I just don't really see it. I think he's one of those quarterbacks that like you're gonna need to work on him a lot in terms of like his mechanics and stuff and his drops. Like his drops are horrible out of out of yes. shotgun. Um, and then, so he's not even like as polished as people make him out to be. Um, and then he doesn't even have that high of a ceiling. Cause I think like the arm, like it's, it's fine. It's, it can make old throws, but it's not that mm-hmm. great. Like athleticism, like it's solid. Um, but he had a lot of trouble, like evading multiple defenders and, and making up for a bad offensive line. I don't think he's going to be that type of guy like Malik Willis can. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I, I'm with you on Sam Howell. I think that's a good name too. Maybe, yeah, maybe not most overrated, but like he's one of the, the more overrated. Um, players yeah. in this class for sure for sure um okay on the opposite end of this who's the most underrated player in this class most underrated you know I, I had this answer i had this answer picked out and i felt really good about it um i don't know if he's really still underrated because in the last maybe like week or two as i've watched more mock drafts he's kind of his name's getting some first round talk but um mm. george Karloftis from purdue the dn from purdue okay um for me i think is He's mostly underrated just because it's a strong, it's a strong edge group. Obviously, yeah. Hutchinson, Thibodeau, um, 
you know, all the rest of those guys, the Jermaine Johnson, Trevane, uh, Trevon Walker, like yeah. all four of those guys are really, really good pass rushers, really good players as a whole, right? So he's just naturally gets forgotten about from that standpoint. But mm-hmm. for me, he is extremely – he's extremely athletic relative to his size. I mean, he was a 38-inch vert. He was 4'3 in the shuttle at 6'4", 266. Like those are numbers that just scream NFL success, right, yeah. from, a, from a predictive measure, right? Like he was – a 10 or close to 10 foot broad jump. Um, it's been productive. Like he's going to have a chance to really, I think, catch some people by, su- by surprise. Um, mm-hmm. and really he's young. Be- yeah. Like, will he be a first round pick? I don't know. Probably. Right. Because he's oh. past rusher. Everyone needs past rushers. Those top four guys I mentioned, they won't, they won't just be first round picks. So probably I'll go in the top 15, maybe even the top 12 or 10. So yeah. by nature of that, he'll probably be a first round pick. But I think for me, he's a guy that I would, you know, if, if I were in an NFL building, I would be <clears throat> absolutely pounding the table for him. He's he's gonna have I think he's gonna have a lot of success in the NFL. Yeah. I, I he's one of those guys I've kind of changed my opinion on a, a few times, but the more I watch his film, the more I like buy into kind of just his raw traits. Like his get off, um, especially mm-hmm. from two point stance. He kinda of has this weird like tilted two point stance where man, he can get off the ball. He comes um, off the rock for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And then like he's got this like kind of stout build, like six mm-hmm. three. So he's kind of got already that like lower center of gravity to go up against tackles and he can just push them back and collapse them, man. Like yeah, he's very strong. That speed to power is, is, is going to work um, all day in the week. And then he's got, he's just like, he just screams like football player to me. Like he's yes. nasty and physical in the trenches. He's got the motor to clean up sacks and pressures from his teammates. Like he's, he's going to be successful for sure. I definitely think he goes in the first round. I think he'll end up being top 20, um, maybe top 15 even i do think the nfl should be higher on him than you know maybe draft twitter is or whatever yeah Um, but yeah man it's crazy the edge class this year holy yeah it's it's not and that's the thing about it too for him is like you could probably pick any one of the non-top four like dns or edge rushers right because it's a pretty stacked class the kid from minnesota is really good um the other georgia guy of course they got players everywhere but like yeah just guys who are kind of forgotten about um the um what's his name Ojabo from michigan he's got yeah. a chance like uh benito from oklahoma all of those guys really are guys that we could be talking about like any other year as maybe like top top 60 picks but now yeah. they may fall like into the third round just because of the strength of the class right so mm-hmm. um, for sure no it's crazy do you also like uh arnold abiquete out of penn state i, I haven't seen him okay okay but that's going to be the that's going to be the next guy I watch lord knows <laughs> they always have uh edge rushers yeah dude oh my gosh they they Something is in the water there. Yeah, they, they, they uh, tell you what, all the time. That, the whole conference issue, really, like all those guys, you know, yeah. Mafa from Minnesota, Ohio State, like they uh, they always have dudes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure, okay, okay, okay. So last question, and then we will let you go. Um, this one's a little bit of a, a scenario here. So actually, who's your favorite team? Who's your favorite NFL team? Uh the Rams. The Rams. Before they won the Super Bowl, I promise. Mm-hmm. Ask me. Sure. I, promise. <laughs> I, have, I have proof. I can prove it all righty all righty um okay so if you had to start the rams from scratch imagine not a single player on the roster um and you could pick one player from this draft class to start your franchise be the face of your franchise who's it gonna be mm. for the sake of the exercise um <laughs> i won't say malik i would yeah. you know obviously he's a quarterback and he has the best upside in the class. So naturally he would be my, my pick, but um, I'll give a little, a little love to uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. He would probably, I think he's going to be, 
he's not he may not be the the world-class edge prospect that he maybe people thought he would be um, mm-hmm. or that he may see in other classes but he's going to be a guy that i'd be surprised if he doesn't average you know nine sacks a year in the nfl and yeah. just, as a you know multi-pro bowl guy he's going to be steady eddie i think he's big he's long he's athletic he's got all the traits um everything about him and his athletic profile and his skill set says, you know, multi-year starter, you know, yep. like I said, eight to 10 set guy. Um, obviously and that's a premium position. And then that's a quality of play at a premium position that you can bet on for, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years, however many years. Um, so I'd probably, I'd probably say him, you know, I think he's going to be, a, he's a, a safe pick in my opinion from an on the field standpoint, can't speak to anything off the field that they yeah. talk about with him, but um, yeah, he's going to be a really good player. For sure, dude. He's he's one of my favorites for the Texans third overall pick. I think if he's mm-hmm. there, it's a no-brainer. I'm tired of hearing these narratives about he's a <laughs> bad worker, doesn't care about football, yada yada yada. Like, it happens every year, man. It happens every year that these top every prospects, year, yeah. like they, the the media world, just gets kind of tired of them, and they're like, you know what? Let's let's talk about this and and, and bring this up and say, oh, NFL teams don't like this. Yeah, it's like they get bored or something. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> man. Like this guy has been the number one guy for since he's been in diapers, like what's changing now? Like it's been crazy, but no, I like that answer a lot. Um, I think it's going to do it for us, man. Thank you so much, TJ, uh, for joining us. If you guys want to follow TJ, his Twitter's in the description, go hit him up. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, man. I hope you enjoyed your time on, on the pod. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. It's always fun to, uh, I mean, this, like you said, it's the best time of the year, right? So, It's always fun to talk about these guys in the new crop every year. And um, this is kind of the time where I'm getting uh, acclimated with everybody, all the prospects. And um, I'm diving into all the mock drafts. So if you have any, if anyone has any, send them my way. I love reading those things all the time. I won't uh, email you or DM you and scream at you and say <laughs> you're wrong or you suck. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to learn about some more of these guys and um, so maybe some of the diamonds in the rough. There you go. There you go. Okay, we'll chat a little bit about that after once we once we end this. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I got you. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for me, guys. Uh, if you tuned into the show late, weren't able to capture the entire thing, go to Believe in Texans on Spotify, Apple, all your typical podcast platforms, and go check out the audio version. It'll be up there uh, later tonight and tomorrow, of course. So yeah, man, for the YouTube people, hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't. We're on the road to six k subs. We're almost there. Um, appreciate you guys could not do it without you and your support. Um, one last reminder, be in Houston this week, going to Kobo's, uh, to have a nice draft party, draft event, live stream it all, break down every single pick. It'll be a good time. Come get some good food, good, good drinks, um, and meet your boy. So that'll do it for me. Y'all hope you guys enjoy, take care, enjoy the rest of y'all week and look forward to Thursday, man. Take it easy. And remember the film don't lie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.